the Broncos Blitz podcast with Ronnie K, presented by Tap 14. Analysis and commentary to help you get your Broncos fixed during the offseason. Subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or listen on demand anytime in the Mile High Sports mobile app. Welcome to the Broncos Blitz Podcast. Ronnie K. Sean Drotar here with you today. Going to talk rookie quarterbacks. The NFL Combine is officially over the results from it and going to talk one criticism from each of the different rookie quarterbacks and which one worries you the most, Sean Drotar? We'll get to that in a second, but first, our friends at Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street, 70 Colorado beers on tap. That is your favorite, Sean. Yes, absolutely it is. 100 Colorado distilled spirits. That is my favorite. But, of course, the great food, too, and the terrific rooftop views. Now, I mean, I, we're coming out of the end of winter, but still, uh, it's a great place to go over there and check out. And then, of course, it is just fantastic in the summer, and they're a hop, skip, and a jump away from Coors Field as well, too. Go check them out. And then brunch also on weekends, Saturday and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 2. That is Tap 14. Go to the website. Spell out 14 for me. Tap 14. Dot com. Combine is over. First of all, let's talk about the combine really quick. You, you hate this thing. I do. I do. I, you, I, I this think is it, the underwear party. The NFL is trotting these guys out, doing all this useless nonsense. I think that it there are values to it. In the interview process, it's helpful. That's helpful. I think there are things that are, can be useful for it. But at the same time, I think that too often teams get tricked into what they see in the combine and all of a sudden confuse physical ability into the automatic ability to play at the NFL level. And as we know, it's much more complicated than just what your athleticism can bring you. And we talked about this in the last podcast, especially particularly with the Sam Darnold situation, because I think it was pretty clear Sam Darnold was going to be a top five pick. I think he very much decided not to throw at the combine because, well, you know, you line him up side by side with a guy who was basically built for the combine and Josh Allen, your arm doesn't look so strong anymore. You know, and so it, it, it could make scouts think twice and say, man, like, you know, everybody's under a microscope and they're over dissecting these prospects. Um, and so I tend to agree with you. I, it, it's it's nice to see for certain areas for certain positions. Like I do want to see the 40 for wide receivers because that's a big deal. How fast can they run? But other positions, not so much. And I, mean, I think a lot of people just overrated a little bit, but certainly going to be interesting. Um Let's let's start with the 40 times uh, for the quarterbacks. Josh Allen, 4.75. Mayfield, 4.84. Josh Rosen, 4.92. Sam Darnold, 4.85. Anything stand out to you here? No. No. I, I guess the idea that Mayfield was, what, a couple hundredths of a second slower, and he's a guy that runs more. But in the end, it doesn't really matter to me because even the 40 times to a certain extent, I don't think entirely translate. Very rarely are you ever going to run in a straight line in an NFL football field, sure. ever. So getting in and out of cuts, to my mind, is more important than straight line speed. And they're not running in pads. And they're not running with guys chasing them. And they're not running trying to cut guys' angles off. So I get it. There is some value in it. But again, I think we we overrate that kind of stuff. The seven hundredths of a second slower that, say, Baker Mayfield is than Josh Allen on that particular date was recorded isn't going to make a difference. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something that stood out to me. Lamar Jackson did not participate in the 40-yard dash because he says, well, he wanted to uh, 
stop all the talk of him uh, transferring to the wide receiver position or playing the wide receiver position, which I don't even understand why that is a discussion, but apparently it is around NFL scouts and circles. Uh, he said he would have predictedly ran a 4.38, 4.4, which is blazing fast. Um, but when we talk about the each individual criticisms for these quarterbacks, let's start with Lamar Jackson, because I think he is probably the highly criticized guy. He's the be- most, yeah. Because he's not a conventional guy, because he is such that dual threat running throwing style play and size of criticism Uh, does this worry you a lot with Lamar Jackson I like Lamar Jackson remember he was the Heisman Trophy winner as a sophomore two seasons ago before Baker Mayfield he has that kind of all-around ability Uh, he's not a Cam Newton I mean Cam Newton's a remarkable player that can do a lot of things totally different body size very different body size and not that he's all that small he's still 6'2 220 pounds it's not as if he's tiny but the idea of the the spread offenses for Broncos fans, I think the concern is you wonder, is it a little bit of a Paxton Lynch type situation where the offensive, uh, the, the passing routes are generally going to find somebody wide open. And so he's supposed to tuck and run as well as, well as uh, make plays with his feet. So I think that's the concern for NFL GMs and, and guys like that. But I think it's a little unfair because if you look at the improvement that Jackson made from his sophomore year to his junior year, it was across the board better. So I, I think he's probably getting shortchanged. I don't know if he's going to be as good a quarterback as, say, a Darnold or a Rosen. I don't know. But I, I think that I would honestly, at this point, almost rather take a gamble on a Lamar Jackson at the bottom of the first round than maybe any of those guys at the very top of it. But this is a bottom of the first round in order for you to justify that first round. L- well, lower half, I think, more than anything. And I think that's probably where he lands. But I can see a, a quarterback needy team if he's sitting around there at 17 or 18 that hey they'll trade up and they'll go so get you're, you're you maybe a, a Denver Broncos trade down they trade towards the back end of that first round they select Lamar Jackson we haven't this heard them would not connected ups, this would at not all upset you no it would not but I, we haven't heard them connected to Lamar sure, Jackson at all I don't think that they're but crazier, particularly interested but yeah things have happened and uh, the Broncos certainly know they they missed on a guy like Dak Prescott they missed on a guy like Russell Wilson Uh, This is a player that could be similar to that. A little more Prescott than Wilson. Wilson is a more polished thrower, but uh, obviously Prescott had no problem adjusting to the league and continues to get better as he plays as well. So uh, I think Jackson is an interesting guy, but I don't think that he's going to end up a Denver Bronco. I'm not as high on Lamar Jackson as you are uh, for, for a couple reasons. And Lamar Jackson, to me, I think... You know what? Until proven otherwise, I just don't see the run first quarterback being the successful way to win in the NFL. Right. We looked at Michael Vick as one of the most successful, most gifted, special guys, uh, incredible talent, maybe the most talented quarterback I've ever seen because of his ability to run and throw. And, and, and he was a fantastic thrower, too. And the best they got was the NFC Championship game. Now, I mean, you can. I know a lot of people want to go back to uh, slinging Sammy Baugh and Randall Cunningham. Well, that that was a way different NFL. Yeah, it's back then. it's very difficult to compare you know, errors at that point. Today's world. I look at the last five years. We look at Vince Young. We look at Pat White, Tim Tebow, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Those skinny, you know, not as polished throwers may lead to run first when the pocket breaks down. You could even throw Paxton Lynch in that mix. Absolutely, They're you could. They're just not successful, and and I just you know I, there are exceptions. We talked about a guy, a guy like Prescott. We talked about a guy like Deshaun Watson, who was basically getting the same criticisms Lamar Jackson. But is, is that right a now. consistent winner in the NFL? I don't know. We yet. we don't know yet. But the early returns are very promising until he got hurt. But uh, with Jackson, at least for as far as the Broncos, I just, I don't see it happening. 
uh, unless something really weird happens. Because I don't think the Broncos, quite frankly, are willing to wait. If they don't get their quarterback in free agency, I don't think they're waiting past five to get one. Yeah. Another highly criticized, but, well, he was on full display. And I think he's he is the type of quarterback that is built for the NFL Combine and talking about Josh Allen out of Wyoming, big arm. Of course, we saw him throw those long 70-yard rainbows that, of course, made all the scouts go ooh and ah. His big criticism, accuracy, small school. This is a guy who couldn't even complete 60% of his passes in college. How big a deal is this? If he was picked at five, if he's available at five, are you disappointed? Well, I, I don't think he's a good fit for the Denver Broncos because we've seen guys like this. Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler are similar. They're, they're tall guys. Now, Rosen, at only 6'5", is not as tall as Osweiler or Lynch. But you're talking about a quarterback that's got sort of prototypical uh, height and maneuverability. I get that. But much like you talked about guys that were run-first quarterbacks, quarterbacks that are inaccurate at the college level don't magically become accurate at the pro level. It's already harder to complete passes yeah. at the pro level. The windows are smaller. The frame of time in which you have to get those passes in is ever shorter. So to my mind, when I look, my biggest red flag, I, we look at a Lamar Jackson and I get all that. I look at, at a Josh Allen, my concern is accuracy. And I don't know if you can necessarily make a guy more accurate with the ball. He needs to be able to get it where he wants it to go. And you would expect guys that are high completion guys in college to drop in the NFL and maybe never even get to that level they were in in college. And in in Allen's case, when it's sub, uh, it's really a subpar number of completion rate, wouldn't even be good in the NFL. That's below average in the NFL. To think that he's all of a sudden going to become significantly better in the NFL, uh, not only does that not make a lot of sense just from your basic passive logic, but you go and look at, quarterbacks that were similar over the past 10 years, five years, and you haven't seen guys that have that kind of success too. I'm thinking of the, the A.J. McCarrens, sure. uh, you know, your Drew Stantons, guys like that that end up being sort of career backups that are okay, but they were elite college football players, but the accuracy was just enough to derail them. Well, and, and I did a lot of research on this. I did a piece on MyLifeSports.com, selfish plug, uh, but it looked at Josh Allen and his accuracy and where it compares to NFL quarterbacks of today, uh, those who completed passes under 60%. And the only real outlier was Matthew Stafford, which I think we would agree Stafford's been a good quarterback, yeah. but also at the same time, he really hasn't had any playoff success. And even Stafford in his final year in college completed 60%. For one, Stafford, there was Tyrod Taylor. There was Jake Locker. There was Brock Osweiler. All these different quarterbacks who just did not pan out in college accuracy-wise, and it never translated to success in the NFL. And certainly I agree with you. I, I think it's one of those things that just you can't sprinkle a magic potion over him and say, you're in the NFL now. You're going to complete 65% of your passes. Every time I see Josh Allen, I, I think of, and you have to go back a little bit, I think of Kyle Bowler. If you remember him out of, sure. out of Cal, yeah. that the uh, Baltimore Ravens picked up, I'm going to say the uh, eighth pick overall. We heard about the same thing. Oh, he can throw it through the goalpost from the 50 on his knees. and uh, Great. But you know how often you need to make that throw? About twice a year, maybe. maybe. And, and, it's <laughs> and your coach will just consider it luck if you hit it. So 
it's very easy to get wrapped up in that kind of thing when you realize that the quarterbacks, go look at the top two quarterbacks all time in yardage. Uh, one is Peyton Manning, who threw flutter balls his entire career, not just the end. And two is Drew Brees, a guy that, oh, by the way, is smaller than Baker Mayfield, who everyone's so concerned can't play because of his height and is not exactly known for his rocket arm either. The, the NFL game is about small windows, on time, on target. And that's how you win. It doesn't have to do necessarily with size or strength. If you can deliver the ball on time and on target. Guys who can't do it in college, there's not a very good track record of them doing it in the pros. And that's why I don't think Josh Allen is a good fit for the Broncos. But I'm not sure the Broncos think that. Well, and throwing to spots, uh, anticipation, very big. And We actually saw it in the combine. I was watching a little bit. The anticipation was not amazing. And that was at the combine. And that certainly, to me, kind of maybe that's that over analyzing type thing kicking in also on a negative side. But that's what we talked about, at least uh, when it comes to the combine. It's the Broncos Blitz podcast presented by Tap 14. Go to the website, spell out 14 for me, tap14.com. We go from the tallest quarterback to maybe the shortest quarterback officially in the NFL draft, at least a short one. That's the knock on Baker Mayfield, uh, along with the attitude and the yeah. cockiness and the, the grabbing of the crotch thing on the sidelines against Kansas. How much does this bother you or do the skills on the field, um, the the special intangibles that I do think Baker Mayfield uh, has when it comes to firing his team up and, and being that leader, do they outweigh the negatives? I think they do. I mean, I think if you're an NFL team, you have to take it into consideration. The misdemeanor charges he had just about a year ago uh, with a drunken disorder. There was conduct. the video and that's, him running. That's sure. a concern. And the idea where you were going to take the flag and plant it in Ohio State's 50-yard line. See, I like that. I like that. Well, And that's, that's what's interesting. The right team may look at that and even the fact, yeah, okay, he shouldn't have grabbed his crotch and he shouldn't have yelled at the sure. fans, but he's hardly the first guy to do it in college or the NFL, and you don't necessarily throw them out of the league. I mean, how long would a Terrell Owens last? Let's to the defense of Baker Mayfield. Um, that was really kind of spurned on because Kansas snubbed him. They refused to shake his hand. The they, they were holding their hands behind his back and, and would you know not shake his did? hand. That fired him up. Yeah. And I like that. Nobody like mentions that. that. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people just think he was being a jerk for no reason. Kansas would not come out and shake his he hand. He was not the one who initiated the right. uh, drama per se. Now, he didn't help end it, but certainly he wasn't the one who initiated Although he's come back to the fans saying, you know, you have one win, go root for basketball. I liked that one too. Is he wrong? No, he's no. not wrong. We all know he's not wrong. <laughs> Kansas football fans know he's not wrong. Uh, I like Mayfield a lot. I think when you look at a fit with the Broncos and Mayfield, I think there's a lot to be excited about. But we also need to be honest. There's a bit of boom or bust there. Because if for whatever reason uh, he sort of can't get the, um, the sort of YOLO mindset out sometimes and it can, can, keeps trying to win the game by himself or the, the attitude becomes a bit of a problem when things don't go your way. Remember, you win, you won a lot of games at Oklahoma. Didn't really have a long losing streak or situations like that that you might see in the pros. So there, there is a risk there, I suppose. But a lot of that risk would be mitigated because let's be totally honest here. If Baker Mayfield was not 6'1", but 6'4", no one would be talking about these things. So I, I think that's why you maybe set it aside and realize that it might not be that big a deal. Uh, you're really trying to take a couple of things that aren't really related, and sometimes we kind of conflate them together. I don't know if that's a wise move. So I like Mayfield a lot. To my mind, uh, he's the, the 
would be my second choice for the Denver Broncos if I had a choice of any of those five guys that we'll talk about. Put yourself in the mind of John Elway, who, of course, is really going to be the one who may ultimately makes this decision. And there's another guy, by the way, that in college was known for his mouth and his attitude. And, right. Monday morning quarterbacks Robert Klemko was on Mile High Sports Radio talking about how Elway likes his guys with a little bit of that swagger cockiness. Do you think that... Elway looks at Mayfield and says, you know what? I really don't care about the height anymore because we tried. We tried the big tall guy. We tried the, the Brock Osweiler. We tried the Paxton Lynch. But you know what? This guy kind of resembles my playing career where there was a little bit of a chip on the shoulder, swag, walking around with the attitude. I'm going to lead you guys to victory. Uh, and, and you know what? Baker Mayfield is a, a strong, you know, he, he has a strong enough arm to make all the NFL throws. Yes. And that's really all I care about. He does. Uh, his arm that, is strong enough. I, yeah. I, I think he's a really intriguing guy. And I, I think that that attitude, that confidence, that sort of cockiness, there, there is sort of a level where it's really good until it's not, sure. and then it's actually really bad. But I, I don't think, at least in college, Mayfield, I don't think exceeded it because, like you talked about, you didn't really mind the Ohio State thing. It would when I looked at the Kansas deal, it was a, it was a slip up by a kid who was you know kind of who didn't start it sure. and then didn't react well uh, in both cases. Uh, to apologized a little bit after the moment, and in the end too, we're talking about okay, so what he beat a team and rubbed it in a little bit. It's not great, but it's not the end of the world. And, and there are plenty of what, you know, I talked about Trello and some Deion Sanders. I mean, go, go through how many of these guys are superstars that did that kind of stuff. I, I think, it's not as big a deal as people make it I out I think to be. that's an action that was blown up because we live in today's world right. of 2018 where everybody has a cell phone and everybody's sharing on social media and Twitter and everything like that. Boy, if, if players did what they did back in the 70s and 80s in today's world, we would be roasting every single superstar every single game for something. They were smoking cigars and drinking liquor yeah. on the sideline in the 60s and 70s. No more uh, Tom Jackson walking over to John Madden at the 77 AFC Championship and going right to his face and going, it's all over, fat man? Yeah, Not okay I, anymore? I mean, that would make front page <laughs> headlines in today's world. So I, I look at this stuff and I say, you know what? This was a guy, he didn't initiate it. He was fired up that the other team snubbed him and he said, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to kick your butt. That's exactly what he did. So, uh, But then again, it was Kansas football. So <clears throat> back to uh, the quarterbacks, Josh Rosen. This is the, the guy who... Prior to, I, during the season in college football, I think most people tag Josh Rosen as like the bona fide number one guy. And then Baker Mayfield came up, won the Heisman, and that kind of mucked things up. And for whatever the reason why, and maybe this goes back to that overanalyzing talk, a lot of Rosen's shine has kind of rubbed off a little bit. The mental capacity as well as the lack of leadership is some of this stuff that's I don't want to say made up because I really don't know where this is originating, but that seems to be the knock on him. Does it bother you? Well, a little. The, the, the concerns with Rosen are, are uh, there are a few sort of odd ones. One, he, he might have the, the weakest arm of the five quarterbacks we're talking about. But he can now, make every Now, throw. again, we went to the Manning-Drew Brees comparison. It's enough. Sure. Uh, in Rosen's case, the concern was the, the famous quote he had early in the season that school and college and football don't mix, that he basically thought it was a bit of a, a fraud, even really going, because he was always just getting to the pros. Uh, there were many reports 
out of uh, UCLA that teammates didn't really like him very much. That's a concern. I think those things are concerns. You have to make sure you do your your due diligence with the interviews and make sure that you're comfortable with the personality. But otherwise, I look at Rosen's game, and I think out of the five quarterbacks we're discussing, he's the one that will have the most immediate success because his game looks tailor-made for the NFL. I don't know if he has the highest ceiling, but I would would not surprise me at all if he's the best one next year. In 2018, if we look at all five, see who had the best rookie season, I fully expect it to be Josh Rosen because I think he's the most polished, easiest fit for most teams to plug and play into their quarterback position. And you use the word polished. Uh, Just watching him throw. He just naturally throws the ball so well. And he has fantastic footwork. Comes out of his hand quickly. Fantastic footwork. He He does all the small little things that you don't really see. Hips, footwork, you know, looking off defenders so very well that you badly need in the NFL. And and what's interesting about that is he's a well-rounded Athlete, because before yeah. he was a, a football athlete, he was a top-rated tennis player, elite tennis yeah, player in California, of which there's a whole bunch of those. Yeah. So when you look at the the ability there, that's where a lot of that footwork comes from. You know, there's the hand-eye coordination is good. The ability to really you know move the hips, those are all critical parts of of tennis. And you can see that he took some of the best parts of that and translated it to his game. So for me, Rosen is the safest bet. I don't know if he's going to be the best one when it's all said and done, but there is something to be said for you know what we get this guy, he can start. For for us maybe he's not a 10-time pro bowler but we know that we're not going to get a bust to me out of everyone that we're talking about rosen is the safest in that regard he won't be a bust you know he can play in the nfl and for whatever the reason why i just i look at him and i see jared goff i see a guy who so i don't think he'll struggle in the first year like goff did yeah and, and that could be for many other reasons but i mean we we, we talk about how you know well uh, that's a that's another story for another day but um he, he looks like a guy who can break onto the scene to me and be that steady, consistent guy for many, many years. But there is a little bit of that ceiling factor that makes me think, like, I wonder how high it really is. Uh, but certainly we won't know that until he gets into the NFL. Last guy who has quite the ceiling uh, is from USC, the young gun, Sam Darnold, who decided not to throw at the combine. The turnovers can be a bit of a problem for Darnold. How big of an issue is this? It's it's an issue, but it may be less of one than you think. We've talked about the concerns with Josh Allen. The difference is Darnold's completion rate is, is fine. He's making bad decisions. Now, he, and we're talking a lot of them. He's had 20 interceptions in his last 20 games. He also had nine fumbles last year. So ball security is a major problem. But ball security, unlike accuracy, can be taught. And you can – you see it in NFL – Camps all the time with the running backs, with their players, that they get taught ball security. In Darnold's case, he's just got to understand that which windows he can and can't fit it into. And that, I think, can be coached. So to me, Darnold has the highest ceiling of everybody there. I think he has all the tools. He has all of it. And I think the flaws in his game are the kind of things that can be fixed over time. It's not mechanical. It's not something like uh, a Tim Tebow delivery that you just can't change the way he throws, although his throw is a little bit elongated. It doesn't snap but out of there. But it needs minor t- tweaking. But, yeah, it's it's about learning. It's about tweaking. It's about understanding. It's about watching the films and making the right reads. It's not about not being able to get it where you want it to go. I want to throw two things at you to counter because, A, why should Denver use the fifth pick on a guy that needs tinkering or needs modification, especially when we when it comes to mechanics? I mean, we of course, Denver went through this whole thing with Tebow, and, and obviously Sam Darnold's a much better prospect than Tebow, 
but we do talk about muscle memory and you just couldn't see a guy change that. But then also too, when you talk about Sam Darnold, you know, turnovers are a big deal and yes, maybe they can be coached, but do you trust the coaching staff here in Denver to be able to make those proper coaching moves? Well, that's that's a good question. And now that it's, it's Bill Musgrave is there, you're going to see a different kind of offense, and we'll see where that goes. So I, I don't know, but the, the interesting thing about all five of these quarterbacks is none of them is a complete product. None of them's fully formed. This isn't an Andrew Luck-type situation sure. where you can put him in sure. and say, all right, we're good. Uh, this guy can handle it. Everything else he'll put together. So there's you're going to have to find somebody with a few flaws. In Darnold's case, uh, that's one of them is the, the turnovers are, are a problem, but – You'd like to think that he can do it. It will be very interesting because the rest of it is is all very good. He has the mental aspects of the game, and if there's one silver lining with all the interceptions, it's that you can tell he has a short memory. He is the guy that doesn't get rattled when he makes a bad play, and that can be important too. So as long as he can figure out how to cut down on those bad plays, I think he's probably the most well-rounded guy in the in the group, and that's why in many of the mock drafts for the last oh, few months, he's been the guy that's gone number one. And now we're starting to see maybe it's Darnold or maybe it's Allen. Out of the five we've talked about, those are the two that seem to lead most of the mock drafts. And that shows you what the combine does. You look at the guy who plays and said he's – the most all-around rounded guy, probably has the highest ceiling. The stuff that needs to be fixed can be fixed. And then we get into the workout warrior combine world where all of a sudden you see a Josh Allen, you go, wow, okay, I just can't pass on that physical potential. For the Denver Broncos, though, they've now done that twice. They need to not make that same mistake again. (laughs) I'm not suggesting you don't go away from the athlete, but I'm saying you don't be blinded by it. You need to evaluate how the guy plays on the field, I think, more than the numbers that he puts up in a combine or a workout. Which individual issue if you want to call it that or problem or critique that many have been criticized for bothers you the most and bothers you the the least i'll give you the list again sam darnold with his turnovers josh rosen lack of leadership mental what's between the ears baker mayfield his height his attitude his cockiness josh allen of course the accuracy small school and lamar jackson style of play his size which bothers you the most which bothers you the least of those individual ones the one that bothers me the most is allen's accuracy that's yeah. the biggest concern what the one that bothers me the least is rosen's mindset because to me when i look at a guy like rosen and i look at all the things that are good about him uh, he's basically the mindset that we've talked about is you know always focus or or talking about the things with school guess what to me i look at it and that's a guy that's thinking he wants to be a pro and wanted to get to it. Now, it's not perfect, but I don't worry about that all that much. And when it comes to, oh, whether teammates liked him all that much, hey, that happens all the time. You have 53 guys in a, in a clubhouse. Not everyone's going to like everybody. If you can help the team win, everyone will put that quite, aside. Quite frankly, I th- and, and I think that's – I totally agree with you on the Rosen. I think it's totally overblown because, you know what, if 53 guys like you on the team, I that almost worries me because I like a little bit of – uh, let's call it like it is. I like a little bit of a-hole Look, in the quarterback. A little bit of attitude. There were not 52 guys in the Denver Broncos locker room that liked Peyton Manning. Sure. There were 52 that respected him. Absolutely. And that's the part that's important. Yeah, and if you're a good quarterback and you are well-respected, guys will follow you look, regardless of whether you're— look at the, a Patriots game. You watch Tom Brady pull his hand up for high fives, and sure. <laughs> half the guys just sure. ignore him. They don't like him, but guess what? He wins them games, and they'll live with it. Mm-hmm. That's how it goes. So nobody—I think you're exactly right. When everyone's super popular, you're probably the backup. 
Yeah. That's and just I, how it goes. And I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I agree with you. The accuracy just... We haven't seen history in recent history that says a quarterback magically just becomes accurate in the NFL. Because it's it's clearly harder it's to throw there. It's yeah. harder to complete passes in the NFL. And it's not a little harder. It's a lot harder. Uh, Denver's picking in five. They have any one of these guys available. Who's your pick? I would put them in order. Darnold, Mayfield, Rosen, Jackson, Allen. Wow, you are really low on Josh Allen. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. All right. Uh, I, I will twist mine a little bit from yours. Mine would be Rosen, Mayfield, Darnold, Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson. I just don't see Lamar Jackson style. So the only one we, we agree on is Mayfield at number two because we're apparently both still sort of optimistic about the home run potential of that particular guy. Well, I look at it with what Denver needs right now, and I say Mayfield to me looks more of a rebuild style planning for the future where, I mean, you talked about it earlier when we were talking about Rosen. Rosen feels like a guy who could start day one, turn key. Yes, you're going to go through rookie woes. You're going to go through a learning curve. You're going to do that with all these guys. But the guy who's probably going to pick it up the fastest and be the one who gets you the most success early, which is where Denver kind of sits right now, that's Josh Rosen. So that that's kind of how I look at it. Um, certainly Denver needs to find one of these guys. And uh, regardless of who it is, they definitely need to hit. So of course we'll be talking all about the draft and the prospects and other positions too, uh, coming up with the future Broncos blitz podcast. You can check it out on the web, milehighsports.com. That's milehighsports.com. Any final thoughts, Sean? No, I'm looking forward to this starting to get together here. We're less than a week out from the, uh, my one of my favorite terms in sports, the legal tampering period. Oh, yes. So on Monday, teams will start <laughs> nudge, to get nudge. to talk to their come players. To our team. Legal tampering. <laughs> that seems, well, okay, whatever. But the uh, I, I'm happy to see that when we can get to this draft, we really can't look at the draft until free agency occurs. So for the Denver Broncos, that's the most important part. And then we'll get a chance to look at it. And guess what? You know, we have a podcast uh, today. We have a podcast on Friday. And then the next time we come around, hey, guess what? We'll be talking about free agents. And we are not far from really being able to break down the draft with finding out who else the Broncos have added. And depending on who they sign, maybe subtracted. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. We are getting closer to closer to the fun stuff. The legal tampering period. I can't wait. I can't wait. Check it out at uh, milehighsports.com. Of course, thanks to our friends at Tap14 for that. Well, uh, all kinds of sports. Even on weekends, Saturdays and Sundays, brunch 10 to 2. And, of course, the terrific rooftop views, the 70 Colorado beers on tap. That's Sean's favorite. 100 Colorado distilled spirits. That would be my favorite. I'm, I'm at like 26, 27 right now. I'm, I'm working my way up to test all 100. So be sure to go on over there. 1920 Blake Street, a hop, skip, and a jump away from Coors Field. That's Tap 14. Spell them out on the website, tap14.com. That's tap 14. You can find archives of the Broncos Blitz podcast on our website. That is milehighsports.com, milehighsports.com.